Sound Opinions is supported by Goose Island, pairing beer and music since 1988. Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago, Illinois. Listen critically, enjoy responsibly. What do you love about music? To begin with? Everything. Putting on a great show is the most important thing you can do. One great rock show can change the world. Even the biggest rock fans, including critics, have a few skeletons in their musical closets. Today, Greg and I come clean and reveal our own guilty pleasures. We'll also get some listeners to confess their cheesy pop favorites on the air. I'm Greg Cotter of the Chicago Tribune. And I'm Jim DeRogatis of Vocaloat.org. Stay tuned for that and reviews of new albums by rapper Rhymefest and rock veteran Tom Petty. Today on Sound Opinions. You're listening to Sound Opinions, and now it's time to reveal our guilty pleasures. And, Jim, I think it's really important to define what we mean by guilty pleasures. Um, People are always asking us. They want this show. <laughs> yeah, they do. Like, we're going to make fools of ourselves. We do that every week anyway, so <laughs> yeah, why, we, why should we this week no be any different? special occasion, no. <laughs> but here we are digging deep into the closet for the skeletons that are lurking there. What is the music that we really secretly love but are concerned or afraid to even tell people about because it's uncool, it's, it's cheesy, it's so off the beaten path, it's so uncritically acclaimed that uh, yeah. you know we're shy about revealing it I'm not guilty about anything that I love there's nothing wrong with these tracks for me but you know other people might think of them as uncool and I guess that's the way we're defining this that's the thing it took you and I a lifetime to overcome our Catholic school upbringings <laughs> yeah. to get past the guilt now I'm firmly with the rock and roll pagan credo you know do what thou will is the whole of the law so long as ye shall harm none so I'm not guilty about any of these pleasures but other people may mock us for them nevertheless we have thick skins. As we always do with these shows, we're going to decide who goes first with a coin flip. I think two of the most classic guilty pleasures of all time. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Tom Jones on my side. And Neil Diamond is one of my classic guilty pleasures, so all that'll right. be the flip. The coin is in the air, and it's Tom Jones. All right. That means I get to go first, Greg. And I'm going to start with a winner. Eric Schrode, better known to the world as Everlast. I've always liked this guy. He first came up in the hip-hop world in the 80s as a member of House of Pain. Jump Around was their big hit. And there's not a frat bar or sporting event in the world that still doesn't play that nightly. But I've always preferred his solo career. Uh, You know, got a big boost when he did the vocals for Santana's Put Your Lights On. Had a big hit with his first solo album. He, You know, he was playing this character, Whitey Ford, okay? Mm -hmm. And uh, it's essentially Johnny Cash set down in the hip-hop world. That wonderful rumbling baritone of Everlast. It's been diminishing results over the last couple of years. His last album was Love, War, and the Ghost of Whitey Ford. Not one of the best, but there is one track I love. And this is where I'm going to admit a double guilty pleasure here. For Love, War, and the Ghost of Whitey Ford, Everlast recorded the theme of Saving Grace which is, on on the surface, a truly abysmal TV show, okay? It's on TNT. It's in its final episodes right now. It's a silly premise. Holly Hunter is this cursing, drinking, promiscuous cop in Oklahoma City who has an angel who helps her out. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) 
<laughs> but it's Holly Hunter, man. Yeah. I love Holly Hunter. And I love Everlast, who plays a bartender from time to time, who overserves Grace the Cop. And uh, how can you not love that? This is the theme from Saving Grace by <laughs> Everlast, my first guilty pleasure on Sound Opinions. That is the theme from Saving Grace by Everlast on Sound Opinions. My first guilty pleasure. Saving Grace is coming to an end, Greg, but you can catch up on the DVDs. Thanks, Jim. Uh, It's going to be tough to top that one. I'm not sure I can get any more guilty, but uh, I'm going to try. I am a huge AM radio junkie, especially uh, from the 70s. In fact, did you ever own one of those uh, KTEL compilations of singles? Okay, the KTEL company had, you know, it was this company that put out all of the cheesy one-hit wonders, novelty songs that you could possibly hear and put them on one record for you. And we gobbled these things up when we were growing up in the 70s. You know, there were big hits at those parties down in the basement, you know, the parents' basement with the uh, the black light posters and the shag carpets, and then you'd put the song on, you know, or one of these albums on, and you would have a great old time listening to these crappy songs. And they became part of your musical DNA. And one of the periods that I particularly love for these kind of knockoff novelty songs was the the post-Beatles psychedelic 60s, where, you know, you had all sorts of bands knocking off Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. You know, the Lemon Pipers were doing Green Tambourine, and the Strawberry Alarm Clock was doing Incense and Peppermints, and you had Tommy James and the Shondells with Crimson and Clover. My favorite from that era was by the immortal John Fred Gorier, otherwise known as John Fred and his Playboy Band, with a song called Judy in Disguise with Glasses, which was basically ripping off the Beatles' Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. A misheard lyric, you know, there's a long history of those misheard lyrics in in, in rock history. This guy admits, he said, you know, I I heard the song wrong. You know, I want to write my own version of it. I said, Mm -hmm. that even makes it cheesier for me somehow. 
But what I really love about it, in addition to the fact that it's kind of a reinterpretation of this classic Beatles song, is the way they sort of play around with the revered Beatles catalog. There's a section in the song, actually there's a couple of them, right at the start and then again in the middle, where they kind of reinvent the, the string part in A Day in the Life, you know, those ascending strings that sort of build to that climactic finish in the album. They kind of do their own version of it. In fact, mm. I would argue that Led Zeppelin heard this song and did their own version of it on Whole Lot of Love, okay? <laughs> a little bit of rock history for you. I'm not sure if it, if it works on that level. I'm not sure they were thinking that, that deeply about it. What I do know is this is an incredibly addictive and silly song that I still love to this day. John Fred and his Playboy band, Judy in Disguise with Glasses on Sound Opinions. Okay, that's my first guilty pleasure, Judy in Disguise with Glasses from John Fred and his Playboy Band on Sound Opinions. Jim, what is your next guilty pleasure? Well, you know, I want you to know, you were just talking a good game up top about how we shouldn't be guilty about any music <laughs> we love. Yet whenever I bring up the name of this next act, you never cease to give me guff about these guys. PM Dawn was a truly important band, I believe, in hip-hop in the 90s. And now part of my fondness may stem from the fact that Prince B, born Atrell Cordes, was born in Jersey City, where I was born, and, and, and he worked as a, a guard in a mental asylum mm. before scraping together the money to make the demos that caught the ear of some producers in England and gave PM Dawn a, a fairly big career. I mean, they were a big hit, especially in Europe, but in the U.S. as well, where a lot of the hardcore hip-hop people dissed them. You know, they were forever being bum-rushed on the stage when they were winning awards. People were always putting them down. Look, man, Prince B was a big 300-plus pound hippie. He came up in, in the worst part of Jersey City, in the ghetto, and his way to escape was to imagine alternative universes, to project himself into utopia, and to listen to the records that his father, who was missing by that point, had left him. You know, Cool in the Gang, really cool 60s stuff, and 
the 80s stuff that was on the radio. So, you know, Prince B would sample some of the uh, new romantic music out of England. He would sample old school soul, and he would talk about this weird world that only existed in his imagination. On the first album, uh, the Utopian Experience, the Bliss album, I'm going to play something from album number three. There were, were three great studio albums. By the time of the fourth, they were falling off, and then Prince B suffered a stroke. And while he's recovered since, he's never really come back. They've done some tours, some kind of like oldie nostalgia stuff. The first three albums, though, are brilliant. Jesus Wept, named for the shortest sentence in the Bible. The second track is called Downtown Venus. It has a wonderful Prince sample in it. And, and again, you know, Prince B is just imagining a world better than Jersey City. Venus sounds like it would be pretty cool. Here's PM Dawn on Sound Opinions. Downtown Venus. And I'm trying to be by myself Myself Downtown Venus from PM Dawn, one of Jim DeRogatis's guilty pleasures. Now, we have plenty of pleasures that we are guilty about, but we're not the only ones. Our listeners have them as well. Let's go to a few of them right now. Alec in New Orleans. Alec, welcome to Sound Opinions. Hey, guys. How you doing? We're doing great. So, uncool songs, songs that everybody else makes you feel guilty about. Uh, you got one in particular? Yeah, I, I have one that I'm, I'm pretty embarrassed about. It's Captain and Tennille's Love Will Keep Us Together. Wow. What, n- n- why? Why? Well, um, I don't know. You know, I was born in 1976, and I think it just kind of permeated into my life through my parents. Uh, I'd have to say kind of rather poor taste in music. Actually, maybe I wouldn't say that it was really a poor taste in music. It was just kind of passive. They would put on the easy listening station or the light rock station. Mm-hmm. Um, was that a Neil Sedaka written song? He did write it. So I guess the credit for making the song can't really go to them, but they really knew what to do with it once they yeah. had it on their <laughs> Yeah. They sold it. The captain with his hat, Tony Tennille singing. Let's refresh our memories about this joyous piece of 70s pop.
the uh, the YouTube video of them performing, you got to admire the captain. I mean, he's got like five or six keyboards around him, just like Rick Wakeman from Yes. You know? <laughs> yeah, That's yeah, yeah. Impressive. Well, I have to say, you have some allies in your taste for uh, Captain and Tennille. I've seen John Bryan, the famed uh, film soundtrack composer and noted producer and artist in his own right, perform this song. And he made the case that this is one of the best songs ever written. His case was, you know, you just can't help but smile. Yeah, definitely. And I've even, you know, dragged my friend Pam into this. We've been working on a little kind of guitar vocal duet. And just as I've been learning the song, it just really rocks. It's kind of a weird thing to say. (laughs) Thank you for calling. Thank you. Next, we've got uh, Liana from Portland, Oregon on the line. Liana, you're on Sound Opinions. Hi there. So uh, you were going to confess your guilty pleasure to us. I am, and it's so embarrassing. Oh, good. (laughs) I never thought I'd have to say it out loud, but um, here it goes. My guilty pleasure happens to be one of the songs from The Little Mermaid, Part of Your World. Wow, Disney's Little Mermaid. That's right, yeah. And I'm I'm a grown-up, too, so that's uh, doubly embarrassing. Look at this stuff. Isn't it neat? Wouldn't you think my collection's complete? Wouldn't you think I'm the girl, the girl who has everything? I think it's a really soaring, kind of a heartfelt song. And so it really suits my dramatic moods when those come up. And uh, it's something I can sing really loud and just feel dramatic and uplifted by. So you can just pop this on in the middle of the day and it'll bring a smile to your face? Is that the deal? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, As long as no one's around, yeah. Oh, so this is not something that you're public about. Absolutely, yeah. Mm -hmm. I I don't think I've ever mentioned this to anybody, um, but you get the opportunity to sort of confess you anonymously, and I did. (laughs) Flipping your fins, you don't get too far. Legs are required for jumping, dancing, strolling along down a... What's that word again? Street. Up where they walk, up where they run, up where they stay all day in the sun, wandering free. Wish I could be part of that world. What would I Liana, thank you so much for being our guest on Sound Opinions. Sir, thank you guys. What would I pay to spend a day warm on the We're going to continue confessing our guilty pleasures here on Sound Opinions as well as hear from some more listeners. That's in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and American Public Media.
Welcome back to Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and American Public Media. I'm Jim DeRogatis. I'm here with Greg Cott. And we are man enough to admit that we like some stuff that other people try to make us feel guilty about. Guilty pleasures. That's the idea of the show. Everybody has them. We don't actually believe in this philosophically. (laughs) Whatever music you love, claim it, own it, don't apologize. That's what we're trying to do with this show. Greg, have you got... A pleasure that you're not guilty about, but other people want you to be. Well, I've got a million of them, Jim, but I'm going to narrow it down to just one here, and I'm going to go with The Sweet, a band out of the UK in the 70s. They had a bunch of hits during that era. What I love about this band, they were they came up during the glam glitter era that was emerging in England during the early 70s. This was the uh, idea that, hey, it was okay for men to wear eyeliner and rouge and go-go boots and, and play really loud, nasty rock and roll. There was a whole bunch of bands in that movement. David Bowie, T-Rex, Mott the Hoople. Then there was a second tier of UK bands like uh, Gary Glitter, Susie Quattro, Slade, and these guys, Sweet. I thought they were one of the best of the bunch, actually. What the key for the band was, was hooking up with this young songwriting team, Nicky Chin and Mike Chapman. And what Chin and Chapman were coming out of was that whole 60s bubblegum novelty hit era. They combined it with the heavy riffs that the suite were playing, and they created a sound that uh, created a number of hits during that era. What I liked about these guys, they were just so blatant. I mean, Chin and Chapman were ripping off everybody. On this song, you're going to hear them blatantly ripping off Bowie's Gene Genie for the, for the main guitar riff in the song. And then the lyrics. You know, I thought they were incredibly clever at the time. The name of the song is Blockbuster. Now, you're thinking about, like, Blockbuster hit or, a, you know, like a Blockbuster bomb that they were dropping in World War II. No. Block is used as a verb in this song. They're going to block a guy named Buster. <laughs> I thought that was incredibly innovative at the time. Yeah. Uh, the whole idea is that here's this guy named Buster roaming the streets of London, and he's got this incredible power over women. And the four guys in the suite, they're going to stop this guy because he's taking all our women. And then in the middle of it, about three or four times during the song, one of the guys in the suite has this stuttering, incoherent interjection. You know, what are we going to do? We're so nervous about this guy. Complete novelty song. I can't defend it as a great work of art. But it was so much fun. The suite with Blockbuster on Sound Opinions. Someone say, we just haven't got a 
That was one of Greg Cott's guilty pleasures, Blockbuster by the Sweet on Sound Opinions. Now it's time to hear from some more listeners, Greg. Let's share the embarrassment. From Philadelphia, we have Dan on the phone. Dan, are you ready to uh, bare your soul and give us a guilty pleasure? I'm a little hesitant, but for you guys, I'll do it. <laughs> All right. Okay. What is it, man? All right. Well, my guilty pleasure is Cindy Lauper's Girls Just Want to Have Fun. Oh, no, that's not guilty. That's not guilty at all. That's just a great song. <laughs> exactly. And it is a great song. It's undeniably good. This, like, catchy pop song. But the reason for the guilt is obvious, and it being that it's just so gender exclusive. There is a level of guilt when I find myself rocking out solo to the song and then kind of peering over my shoulder and making sure <laughs> no one's going to walk in on me and judge me for that, you know? doesn't want to be around girls that are having fun. You know? That's a very good point. I th that's, a, that's a good justification right there. I will go one further, Dan. Not only is that a great song, that was a great album on which that song was included. Well, that's something I'll have to check out then. I've just been stuck on this one song. In other words, we're absolving your guilt. Uh, well, I appreciate that. that. Maybe that's why I'm calling and bearing my soul here. All right, Dan, thanks for calling. Gentlemen, thank you. Keep up the good work. Jim, we've got one more brave soul ready to make a confession. Brady from Concord, New Hampshire. Welcome to the show. Hey, good to be here. All right, guilty pleasure. What is it? It's MacArthur Park by Richard Harris. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do you have an idea what that song is about? Because, I mean, everybody has a different theory. Um, I just assume it's one of those sort of zen things. It's about everything and nothing, kind of all at the same time. You know, it's a little stream of consciousness, a little Ren Fest, a little sort of crooner action, and <laughs> throw that all together and you have sort of this incomprehensible, but to me, beautiful thing. Spring was never waiting for us, girl. It ran one step ahead as we followed in the dance. And written by one of the all-time great songwriters, too, Jimmy Webb. I mean, whatever you think of Richard Harris as an actor or a singer... Jimmy Webb is acknowledged as one of the great songwriters. So what is it about this performance above all others? Because it's been covered by a number of artists, right? I think the fact that it really shouldn't work, but it does. I mean, here's the guy from Camelot sort of over-emoting and sort of <laughs> half-singing this really elaborate, complicated, and bizarre song yeah. with harpsichords and strings and backing chords. You know, it's sort of like that gaudy Elvis period that everyone jokes about now. I don't think that I can take it Cause it took so long to bake it And I'll never have that recipe again Oh no But, you know, 
you know, when you listen to it all the way through, it really does work. You know, all of the little elements that Jimmy Webb wove in there really do come together, and it just seems like Richard Harris was the right guy to sing this song, after all. <laughs> I mean, it's like he's giving a dramatic reading of Shakespeare or something like that. It's, it's, it's amazing. He's, he's acting all the way through this, and it's almost so over the top. You're right. It is, it, it's, it, is it one of those things where it's almost it's so bad it's good kind of thing? It is, yeah. You know, and, I, and that's what really appealed to me at first. There's no way that this could possibly be enjoyable. And yeah, there it is. You know, I mean, it's a it's a real fun and very very catchy song. <laughs> I would go ultimately with the Donna Summer version, but still, it's it's classic <laughs> in any rendition. Thank you, uh, Brady, for sharing that with us. Hey, after all the loves of my life, you guys, I'll be thinking of you and wondering why. I'll never have the recipe Brave callers those were, Greg, but we have to wrap up with our last choices for guilty pleasures. I have to go with a great talent out of the fine state of Michigan, one Theodore Anthony Nugent, better known as Ted Nugent. (laughs) There's a lot to be guilty about for admitting that you like Ted Nugent because he has become a caricature of himself. He is to the right of Rush Limbaugh, and he's obnoxious about it. He's always shooting poor defenseless animals and shooting his mouth off. And yet, I love Ted Nugent's early solo career. And I'm talking the first, like, five or six albums I'll still champion. I'm going to play a track from the fourth solo album by Ted Nugent. It's called Weekend Warriors. You see him on the cover in this wonderful cartoon where his guitar has been turned into a submachine gun, and he's firing it off, (laughs) no doubt mowing down the liberals who he contends make life unpleasant in America. Part of any guilty pleasure, as you were saying earlier, it's where you first hear it. You were talking about that basement and thinking about playing records and the black light and all that stuff. I would go with my fellow Ted Nugent fans and we would go to uh, Leonard Gordon Park on JFK Boulevard in Jersey City. There was this giant buffalo statue and if you hid behind the buffalo you could drink wine. <laughs> you know, we, w- we would buy a bottle of like cheap Rianiti and sit there and drink this stuff and listen to Ted Nugent on the boombox. We Weekend Warrior was the 1978 album, and there's a song called Good Friends and a Bottle of Wine, okay? I am once again like 17 years old whenever I hear this song. It takes me right back. I can even taste the reunion. Here's Ted Nugent on Sound of Bands.
I want to hear you say you love that song. Good Friends and a Bottle of Wine by Ted Nugent, 1978. I kind of do, and you know who else does? Ian MacKay of Fugazi and Henry Rounds, later of Black Flag, both used to skateboard with Ted Nugent, which they told me once. You know, I mean, the music stands up. Separate him from the personality. Mm -hmm, There you go. What is your last guilty pleasure? Well, Jim, I remember distinctly the moment I first heard a poem read aloud on a rock record, and it was this one. And it was an an awe-inspiring moment. You're not going to Moody Blues, are you? I am indeed. I am indeed. I think just the pretentiousness of this is beyond belief. It comes at the tail end of their second album, Days of Future Past, which was basically their attempt to do a Beatles-like concept album. And, you know, they started out as this R&B band. They said, no, we're going to make concept albums after this. And this was their first one. Everybody knows Nights in White Satin from that record. That's one of the biggest hits of the last, you know, three, four decades. But what a lot of people don't realize is that on the album... The song continues on for a couple of more minutes, and it ends with this song called Late Lament. I mean, the the song cycle was about a day in the life of the planet Earth. You know, it starts at dawn, (laughs) ends at night. Mm -hmm. Here's the coda to the record, Late Lament. It was written by the drummer, Graham Edge. This would be like John Bonham of Led Zeppelin going up to Robert Plant saying, Hey, man, would you read my poem at the end of the record? So Graham Edge fathoms himself a poet. He gives it to uh, Mike Pinder, the keyboard player, to read. Pinder is clearly a wannabe Richard Burton. He reads this poem <laughs> like he thinks he's Burton doing Hamlet or something. It is just awesome. And then at the end, even more awesome, Pinder gets to hit a gong. Oh, And all it's right. just this amazing end to the song. And, you know, you hear this, and the pretentiousness is just building and building. And what else could they do to top it? They hit a gong. Here it is, Late Lament from the Moody Blues on Sound Opinions. Lights fade from every room. Bedsitter people look back and lament another day's useless energy spent. Impassioned lovers wrestle as one. Lonely man cries for love and has none. New mother picks up and suckles her son. Senior citizens wish they were young. Cold hearted orb that rules the night. Removes the colors from our sight. Red is gray and yellow white. But we decide which is right and which is an illusion.
That is Mike Pinder of the Moody Blues with the dramatic reading and the even more dramatic gong hit, one of my guilty pleasures on Sound Opinions. I would have gone with the poem from Atlantis, but it was a good (laughs) choice, Greg. And now to you at home, it is your turn. If you want to share your guilty pleasure with us or comment on anything we talk about on Sound Opinions, call our hotline, 888-859-1800. You can also email interact at soundopinions.org or connect to us on Facebook or Twitter. We'll be back in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and American Public Media with reviews of the new albums by Tom Petty and Rhymefest. Is it a sin? Is it a crime? Loving you dear like I do If it's a crime, then I'm guilty, guilty of loving you. Maybe I'm wrong, dreaming of you, dreaming the lonely night through. If it's a crime, then I'm guilty. Guilty of dreaming of you What can I do? What can I say? After I've taken the blame You say you're through You'll go your way But I'll always feel just the same Welcome back to Sound Opinions from WBEZ, Chicago and American Public Media. That is a track called Jefferson Jericho Blues from the new record by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, Mojo. The band's been making records since the 70s. They've sold over 60 million of them. Petty's been inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Petty and the Heartbreakers headlined the Super Bowl. They are one of the biggest touring acts going. What, at age 59, does uh, Tom Petty have left to accomplish? He is in the upper pantheon of the great rockers of our time. Collaboration with uh, Bob Dylan and Roy Orbison, George Harrison, Jeff Lynne in the Traveling Wilburys. Petty's done it all. Here he is with another record. What's he got left to accomplish? Actually, he's been on a pretty good roll lately. He uh, put out a solo album in 2006 called Highway Companion, where he played most of the instruments himself. Then he reunited his old band, Mud Crutch, in 2008, a precursor of the Heartbreakers, and they made a pretty cool country rock record that year. And now he's back in the studio with the Heartbreakers. And what they did differently on this record is essentially they set up in a room, recorded the band live. 
We're going to review the record in a second. It's called Mojo, but let's play a track from it first. It's called I Should Have Known It from Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers on Sound Opinions. I Should Have Known It by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers on Sound Opinions from the new album, Mojo. You know, Greg, we, we try to separate the politics, the backstory of the making of an album and the art as we're listening to it, but there is a bit of a story behind Mojo. Petty has not made a record with the Heartbreakers since 2002 when he put out The Last DJ, which was a brave comment mm-hmm. at that time. He was critiquing the state of corporate radio and attacking hard Clear Channel, which would become Live Nation, for blanding out American rock radio of the sort that he grew up loving. Flash forward to 2010, eight years later, he's touring with Live Nation. He's feeling a little guilty about it. This record is being given as a free download to everybody who buys concert tickets through Ticketmaster Live Nation for this current tour. The prices ain't cheap, $125 a ticket for the best seats. This isn't the Tom Petty who famously twice fought the major label system about overpriced albums. He didn't think they should be costing $18 a CD. The fight has gone out of him. This is an easy, rambling, shuffling along blues jam record. He told Rolling Stone, that's what I want to make. I want to go in the studio and jam with the boys. They're longer songs. It's all blues-based. That's what we get. Look, you know, even mediocre Tom Petty is better than no Tom Petty. I'm a huge fan. I know you are, too. I just don't hear any heavy lifting on this album. And it's ironic that the last time he was with the Heartbreakers, he was firing both barrels. That last DJ record really was a brave move, and it stands up as great rock and roll. On the Buy It, Burn It, Trash It scale, this is a Burn It Tom Petty record. 
Yeah, I have to say that in terms of the songwriting, it's not quite up to the par of his very best work. In the past, the way he's used the heartbreakers are sort of to color in his songs. You know, Ben Montench and Mike Campbell are incredibly tasteful players on Absolutely. keyboards and guitar, respectively. They really know how to flavor Petty's songs. On this record, he's really bringing the band into the forefront. It's not so much about the songs. As you said, about a half dozen of these are kind of blues-based templates for the band to stretch out, especially Campbell on lead guitar. I think what he's doing here is setting up this band to really blaze on these shows in concert. And it'll be interesting to see how his audience reacts to these during the summer, because I know he's going to play a lot of new stuff. People, as you said, are going to be paying that kind of money. They're going to be expecting a greatest hit show. Petty's probably not going to give him one. He's going to be focusing on these new songs well, that's as ironic, a showcase for Because the last time he toured, he played all greatest hits and didn't touch anything from that Mud Crutch album, which I would have loved to have heard him play live. Yeah, yeah. So I'm with you on this in terms of this not being a classic Petty record. It is a burn-it record. They hating on me, saying that's the fella hell off. Kanye done took that Jesus walks money and ran the hell off. Hey, Mr. Blue Collar, big head, walk the swell off. You trying to write a book on Twitter, and it's a tell-off. Hell no. Some in the Saturn, it's a pattern. In the back of the club, getting drunk with something. He used to be so brand new, but who knew he ain't true? He got four kids and only claimed two. That is a song called Truth On You by the Chicago rapper Rhymefest from his new album El Che on Sound Opinions. Greg, Rhymefest raps there about Kanye West taking the money from Jesus Walks and running. That is how Rhymefest first came into the public spotlight as co-author of that Kanye West super hit, Jesus Walks. That landed him a major label deal with J Records, the label run by Clive Davis. A wonderful album came out in 2006, Blue Collar, where uh, Rhymefest, born and raised on the south side of Chicago as Che Smith, was talking not about being rich and famous and cool, but about all the jobs he held to keep his family together, to be a man, to be a good father. Very much out of the mainstream hip-hop realm. Didn't sell a lot of records. That was strike one with Jay Records. Strike two was that uh, Che Smith, named after the revolutionary Che Guevara, really wanted to go in a more political direction on his second album, El Che. This has been held up for quite some time. But I think the straw that broke the camel's back and that made Rhymefest now an independent artist, was uh, he put out this wonderful mixtape called Man in the Mirror, the Michael Jackson dedication album. One of the most creative things we've heard out of any corner of hip-hop in a long time. Rhymefest was having these conversations with Michael Jackson via samples of Jackson's vocals, basically just the everyman saying, man, you know, I love your music. What happened to you? Why are you so messed up? What can I do to help you? It was brilliant, and it was, of course, totally unauthorized and shut down. Now Rhymefest can do pretty much whatever he wants. He's an independent artist. El Che is finally coming out. Let's play a track from it. We'll come back and give our opinions. This is called Prosperity by Rhymefest on Sound Opinions. TV on real late one night. Pastor said, God, want to change my life. Make me rich. New car to drive. Big house vacations all the time. Damn. I want to live that dream. He said he could see me through the screen. He said he knew what I needed. He said he could talk to Jesus. For the low, low price, you too can live a glamorous life. You too can have the blood of Christ. Three easy payments, order tonight. $29.95. Okay. Let me know when that arrives. Okay. The driver's outside. Mm. Look church free, but you gotta pay tithes. We need some prosperity. Preaching prosperity. Financial prosperity. Loving prosperity. Peace 
preaching prosperity. We need some prosperity. We preaching prosperity. Financial prosperity. What's in the basket? Why you asking? Build God's kingdom. Put your cash in. Get your blessing. Don't be lasting. Heaven, paradise, everlasting. No, I'm spiritual. Yes. I need a financial miracle. Lord. Please, God, you the king imperial. Uh -huh. And now take the Bible literal. Real. I do whatever you're asking me. Real. My pastor said it's a path for me. Yeah. If I pay him a half a G, he'll go to you on behalf of me. See? On TV, I seen it. They sell forgiveness, so convenient. Master Visas, this shit ingenious. Why go to church? Stay home with Jesus. We need some prosperity. We preaching prosperity. Financial prosperity. Prosperity, peace and prosperity. We need some prosperity. We preaching prosperity, financial prosperity. I'm talking about televangelists. Need to be sued for spiritual damages. Chi-town, New York, and Los Angeles. See the small towns in Alabama. If they can't get paid, amen. You thought you were sick till he lay hands. Now you on the floor just shaking. Still got cancer when you awaken. And I don't know what right is. I ain't all self-righteous. I just want to know what Christ is. I just want to know what Christ is. We need some prosperity. Preaching prosperity. Financial prosperity. Love and prosperity. That is Prosperity on Sound Opinions from the new Rhymefest album, El Che. Jimmy, you were mentioning that he got dropped by J Records and they were having some problems with the political bent of his material. I think an even bigger problem for them is where does this guy actually fit in? Because this record is all over the place, much like Blue Collar was as well. Musically, is he really hip-hop? Is he a fun, comical rapper? Is he a political rapper? Is he a dramatic rapper? Is he a pop rapper? He does all of those things, and he wants to be all of those things on this record. He's got a sense of humor. Even yeah. when he's singing about serious subject matter, as he is in that song, he's dropping these little one-liners in there that sort of crack you up. He's also got a predilection for some anti-politically correct humor as well that I find somewhat off-putting. I mean, he's not a homophobic guy. He's not a misogynist, but some of his lines can come off that way. Some of the pop sweetening that he uses in the choruses is a little off-putting as well. You know, it's a very low-budget production. He doesn't, doesn't have that big label money anymore, and I can understand that. At the same time, you've got this fascinating personality at the center of it. I think he's one of the most interesting uh, voices in hip-hop precisely because you don't know exactly what you're going to get from a minute to minute. This is a very erratic record. It's all over the place. There's some really great stuff on here. There's some stuff that I don't think is quite up to par. I don't think this is quite as good as Blue Collar. I'm going to have to give it a burn it overall. Well, I have to disagree with you, Greg. I have to give it a buy it. I think we are not seeing the strength of personality and the courage of convictions from many people in hip-hop that we see from Rhymefest. As you said, he isn't trying to posture, to pose. It's like sitting down in a bar and hearing the guy at the end of the bar ranting and raving. Mm -hmm. And some of it makes sense and some of it doesn't. He's himself. Everybody in hip-hop is so much opposed these days, you know? Even Kanye West, who drops it at times to do something like, you know, rapping about being at the bedside of his dying grandmother. But but then Kanye is the superstar Don, right? right. Rhymefest isn't. He's just himself. And he's a weird dude, but he's funny, and he's got a unique voice. I just applaud his creativity. So, yeah, buy it for me. You're going with a burn it. I think you're short in Rhymefest. But what do we have on the show next week? 
Next week, we have Chrissy Hind in from The Pretenders, but she's not going to be with The Pretenders. She's going to be introducing her new band and some new songs. Greg, as always, we have some thank yous to say on the way out. Sound Opinions is produced by Jason Saldana, whose guilty pleasure is The Monkees, and Robin Lynn, who very much loves Earth, Wind, and Fire. Our fearless leader, our executive producer, Tori Southside Malatia, would not be corralled to confess a guilty pleasure, but I have it on good authority that he jams to Michael Buble. On Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. Now it's time to hear what you have to say. Hi, this is Alex calling from Minneapolis. Listen to your show a lot. I think it's uh, generally really good. I'm kind of thinking that the vocoder episode, I was really psyched to see that and the, on the podcast, and it just kind of didn't live up to it. For the history of the vocoder, it seemed like it was a huge emphasis from start to finish on, on a hip-hop perspective, which is fine, but... You know, when you finally dropped Kraftwerk's name about 10 times and then finally played like 30 seconds of one song, I was like, this doesn't seem oriented right. That was, didn't seem like a history of the vocoder in, in across the range of, of music that I'd hope you guys covered. So, you know, sometimes that's okay, but um, not this time. Okay, but otherwise, you guys do a great job, and I'm looking forward to hearing more. Thanks. Hi, this is Eric Stevenson from Houghton, New York. And I just listened to your show about uh, the vocoder and the history of that. And I just have to say that uh, I think you need to mention probably one of the most emotionally impacting uses of the vocoder that I've ever heard, which is uh, by a little-known band from Minnesota called Cloud Cult. They're this completely carbon-neutral, independent band. And um, on their last album called Tea Partying Through Tornadoes, they use it on the very last song called Love You All. most emotionally impacting ways that the vocoder has ever been used. If more people used it in the same way, I, I think that that could really bring a lot of more dignity back to the instrument than uh, what it's used for now and what it has been used for. And yeah, have a good day. Bye. Hey, Jim and Greg. It's John in LaGrange Park, Illinois. Listen to the show about the best records of uh, 2010 with some great sound opinions, but uh, under the radar, you guys seem to be missing some things, which is understandable. That's why you have listeners to, uh, to uh, exchange their views. Check out Mark Cutler's independent release called Red 
Uh, frankly, uh, with all due respect to Springsteen, it blows away his last couple of releases and shows that for the love of music, not necessarily being part of the record-making machinery of um, the 21st century, however that happens to be, that an independent artist is still creating powerful music under the radar. Thank you. Tonight, let's not talk of darkness While we wear out the storm Let's think of ways we're gonna survive Till the morning, get along, get along Hi guys, I just listened to your top ten show. I like the fact that you're stopping halfway through to reflect and give us your list. But I feel like you missed my favorite album that's come out so far. It's called Holy F. And this band is out of Canada. They're from Toronto. And their style is electronica, but they don't use... It's not your typical, like, plug in the Casios and let's use a lot of recorded tracks kind of thing. I just saw them live here in Philadelphia, and they were awesome. One of my favorite bands that I've heard in quite a while. Thank you. Bye. No more messages. To give us your opinion on Sound Opinions, call our hotline, 1-888-859-1800. We'll be back next week with Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media.